Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Pounding the Table. We got the young gunner in the house, Riley McAdams here alongside my co-host, Anthony Ohion. What's going on, guys? We got Disney earnings we'll touch on, Uber earnings we'll touch on, Twilio we will definitely touch on. How you feeling today, Riley? Well, I'm feeling good. Bullish is, uh, you know, the, the main theme over the last couple of weeks, I would say. Twilio had uh, some big earnings. That's uh, definitely going to move some software. I'm uh, pretty pumped about Uber. Uber is, you know, the point where it might be a deep value name. Disney also had a killer earnings. I think that it was a pretty big day. We might see some continuation tomorrow, but, you know, it's uh, it's been a good bounce so far. Mm-hmm. And this is the Tony that I love. I feel like you're finally back this week. Maybe it took a little green energy to, to make that happen, but you told me Tony Tiger's back. So touch on what we discussed last week real quick for those who did not listen. Yeah, job's not finished yet, Avi. Job's not finished. We talked about a lot last week. I think like the highlight of like my favorite part of you know where the market kind of showed its hand and where we were able to take some like interesting takeaways, especially Amazon earnings. I think that was probably the biggest one because we were talking about how AWS you know, is really indicative of all these other cloud names, um, right? Because like, you know, these things just go off of users, they get more ARR, like, it's just how those things cycle and become those, you know, future blue chips. And so, you know, we saw Twilio have a crazy move up. And, you know, we were also talking about how stocks are starting to move on their own. And so that was like a really big highlight, you know, we wanted to touch on again, because earnings right now are deciding how that stock's going to trend. So I wrote this on Twitter, less correlation is a better market. And like, I want to explain the nuances of that. Because if you look at, you know, when we were selling off, everything was selling off in tandem. Sure, things with like, you know, higher beta, higher risk were selling off more. There's always rotations in between that. And you saw growth started bouncing right before everything else started moving up. And so it was kind of that whole look at the different parts of the market and you try to understand what's going on. And then you see that like things that run together, right? Because if it's liquidity based, everything that's risk is getting sold extra hard. And if it's, you know, fear of the Fed, liquidity, all that, that's why we got the entire markets coming down. Then you started noticing that individual names are running on their own instead of just being all down, right? Like every cloud is down 8% versus now like Twilio is going to be up 20% Thursday morning, just after hours here, after the earnings. And we were talking about Unity and knowing that Unity has a high valuation and they did really well regardless, right? So they were up, uh, I think they're almost like 120 after hours today. So they were in the 90s last week and they reported their earnings. So it means that people are kind of laying off the gas of pushing things down and starting to say, hey, like these companies are reporting their own earnings. We're learning about what they're doing in this current landscape of the markets right now and in this current job market and everything. And so if they do really well, the results will speak for themselves, right? Because at the end of the day, people buy companies based off of fundamentals. They plug it in their spreadsheets. They do all these things and you assess value that way. And so what happens is when these, basically like, you know, these, it's a performance review for the company, right? It's an earnings report four times a year. When they do really well, they're allowed to do well, right? In a, in a share price. And so people are saying, hey, these things got super undervalued. The earnings are telling me otherwise. So maybe we won't let that stock run in the same correlation anymore. And as those happen, right, the market just low overall gets better breath, gets healthier, right? Like you'll have, hopefully earnings are good, then it would start, you know, being a move that could get poised to the upside, just because you have less things that are going to be selling off when things sell off, because they have their own news holding them up. We saw that with Unity. We saw that with Twilio now. And I do think we're going to see it for a lot of these other companies. Like we have Net coming tomorrow. I crowd, think that's you were talking about too. Could yeah, Crowd as well, right? So 
anything that's moving in sympathy with the names that are running well. And we talked about this last week, Amazon made a number of names move up because of their focus, right, on e-commerce, which a lot of these growth names are doing as well. And that being huge to the point where they could raise $20 for their Amazon Prime. And then as well as AWS doing super well and crushing it and their EPS was, was like 600% beat. And so you know that business is good. Business is booming and company share prices are falling. And I also touched on the Amazon share letter in 2001 when the stock went to $7 and it said, and, and Bezos started with like, you know, ouch, but our companies become incredibly stronger more diverse, versatile, efficient, optimal, all those good words that people buy things for, right? Like from seven to where it is now. So, you know, this is why I was saying it's time to start looking at which companies are proving that they're doing well. One thing too is like TTD has been holding super well. And so for me, like, you know, th that kind of is really indicative because even in the grossest of, of the depths, like people wanted to hold that name. So it means they're probably going to have a really good quarter, I think, because, you know, Twilio started getting a bunch of sweeps today. And that's why I was thinking it was going to rip. Uh, they had a bunch of calls bought at the money this week, next week, further out. And so the risk was always to the upside. And I think because everything's down so much, it doesn't take much to have a good quarter when everyone's pricing you in as if you had like a bunch of bad quarters. The risk is to the upside for the high quality names. And the ones that don't do well this round, those are the ones you need to take a second look at and consider, you know evaluating yeah. what you want to do with those. I, I tweeted out today. I think what's happening now is things like Segment, right? And SendGrid and the, all of their acquisitions are now starting to get integrated more. And so that's going to allow them to then cross sell to from Twilio to Segment, right? And Segment back to Twilio. So they can then cross pollinate all of those clients and continue to grow with the clients that they currently have while they go after new ones as well. So I think it's going to start to like really come into fruition. I'm surprised it's been down so much. It's a really good company. If you have not ever seen a YouTube of, of Jeff Lawson, check it out. Like that dude, you watch a video of him and you'll buy at least a few shares. Like I, I, he's yeah, just a phenomenal I mean, leader. Yeah, he's a great leader. And I also just want to add, like, I feel like there's a lot of companies, like that was a theme that we touched on and, and we nailed as well, like acquisitions by these companies, like at the beginning, right? So Etsy was buying Depop, you know, Shopify made acquisitions, all these guys started buying things, working together. So you're going to start seeing all those synergies pop up. Like I think Twilio's quarter was definitely representative of that. Like you said, Avi, because it does take time, right? Like things will hit the balance sheet at different times. And then you have to wait because sometimes it takes a lot of time for that synergy to happen and that cross-pollination. But the move that they make is obviously like one that's strategic. And if the company's done really well on its own, they're not going to add something that they think is going to like deter them from doing better in the future. So if, you know, if, if you're bullish the company, you should be thinking about like, you know, how you think about the moves they're making and how they're going to play out. So we're going to start seeing that more and more. 21% up though, after hours. So yeah, after happening. being down like 75. Right now, but, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know that's, that's the thing though. It's like, and that's, that's actually such a funny thing to talk about though, is the psychology behind that. Like I'm a man, but meanwhile, I'm still like 40, 50% down from where it was, but that shows where it can go again. And the guidance too was really good. So they're going to range from 855 million to 865 million. Uh, and analysts were expecting 806 million. So that's good to see too. And I really think just with these acquisitions being more integrated within the platform as well, just the whole ecosystem is just going to perform better and be easier to sell and be loved by their clients more. So I think it's starting to come together for Twilio. We get it, Avi. You like Twilio. You only said I it like 100 Twilio. times. Yeah. So I just ordered from Uber Eats. Uber just announced their earnings, Riley. I know you wanted to touch on some of those numbers real quick and where you think they're going to go from there. 
Yeah, no, Avi, I think Uber is definitely pretty underrated. Uh, they're up about 7-8% after hours after a pretty nice beat for revenue. They did $5.78 billion versus $5.35 billion estimated. So very good beat on revenue. EBITDA, they did $86 million versus $64 million. And monthly active users, $118 million versus $116.7 million. So, you know, they beat on those three main numbers that at least I focus on. They did guide to a bit of a weaker quarter one with gross bookings being 25 to 26 billion versus 27.25 billion. So, you know, a little bit of a weak guide there. EBITDA, they're looking at 115 million versus an estimated 150 million. So they're definitely missing a bit on that. But, you know, I do like the quarter four numbers. I think that they finally got to the company that they really are, you know, prior to where COVID was. If, if that trajectory continued, you know, this is where they definitely should be. And I think that they're, you know, as strong as they've ever been. And I think that it's definitely a company that you can look at and kind of compare it to where Airbnb is kind of going. I mean, they've they've been killing it too. Obviously, the margins are completely different, but those two companies around 80 to 100 billion dollars, you know, those two can be looking at the next Netflix and Facebook, you know, one of those. So, you know, I think that Uber is definitely one that people should definitely start to look back into and, you know, watch for the next four quarters, see what happens and assess from there. We were talking before we started recording about in five, I mean, it's just basically government at this point, but five, 10 years from now, there's no Uber drivers, right? You're popping in a a robot car and a driverless car. That's 30%, whatever the drivers make right now, that's instant revenue for them in terms of what they're paying the drivers. I think that they've obviously disrupted like the taxi industry. And you can see that like, with the price of medallions in New York going down like crazy, honestly, very sad, but you know, I, I think that this whole model for like real world things like utility kind of stuff, like Airbnb, just like Uber, just like DoorDash. So like, and there's a bunch of apps like TaskRabbit, like somebody, you just like message somebody to come fix something for you. So like all, all the things we used to go to like those local shops or whatever to go do, you know, like y- you can get your plumber off an app, right? And so like things like that are going to become more and more common in society. You know, it's the whole, like I saw this thing where it was a, uh, it's like somebody's desk from like 30 years ago or whatever, and all these different items that he had on it. And then they just all condensed into an iPhone. And I was like, oh, cool. So then like, you could see the progression of everything just kind of like becoming easier, becoming simpler, more efficient. So what's the easiest way to go stay somewhere? Just go book it online and know what's available, pay X amount. What's the easiest way to get around? Click an app to have someone come pick you up. So you don't have to worry about the car or parking or any of that stuff. So like, convenience and ease will continue to be a theme. And that's why like, you know, you have that fear of autonomy and we know unemployment numbers are bullshit, but like, that's a big part of it, right? Like the price of medallions went down. So you're not making the same amount of money that you used to because you got undercut by a competitor that can offer cheaper rates that, you know, anyone can use without having to get, I I don't know that like, you know, the necessary rules for like having an Uber or whatever in New York, but the point is that like it's a very disruptive technology and I, I can't be bearish against that, especially the new CEO that Uber has versus the old one. Uber had 118 million monthly active users. So this is the highest amount to date, right? Which is which is really interesting given it's COVID. They're they're fully back. Right. right? And so it's almost like indicative of where the economy is going if people are moving. Uh, yeah, I agree. And, and Airbnb like I guarantee you is the, the same. I wouldn't be surprised to see Airbnb have like a really similar Thing because like I was looking for Airbnbs yeah. and man, are they pricey and far and few between, especially good ones. So it obviously means like the supply is low. So the demand's high. Right. That's all. It's, it's that simple. Like, you know, that's economics. The, the answer to the question of like, sell me the pen 
isn't okay i need you know you need to write something down like in the movie the answer to the question right. is ask me a question to know how to sell me the pen and like these companies just obviously are attacking the first easiest thing in the human brain which is like we're hardwired to be optimal we're hardwired to be lazy to, on this podcast. yeah so we're teaching everything no it, 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 and, it's, and it's not going away though i think that's the biggest thing is like we're starting to see it you know people don't want to go back in the office i can't imagine myself ever going back into an office full-time I'd, I'd be open to like one day a week type thing future <laughs> employers that are listening right <laughs> honestly i think those are obvious in, demands <laughs> no, maybe i'm in a, and maybe i'm in a bubble in tech to be honest maybe this is out of out of but uh, like that's where here, most but, people want to go right like that's tech or finance is the most money tech or finance is like you know, most people at like those, you know, the, the, the higher schools get like economics or finance degree or computer science or engineer degree, right? So like, that's why there's a lack of really, really good medical professors and medical like practitioners is just because a lot of the people that would be doctors get a lot more money in tech. So like stuff like that is going to continue to be a disparity. So I do wonder how that's going to end up working out yeah. because, and we'll talk about this, like we talked about it last time with the unemployment numbers, like what a joke. You look at how it came out. You look at the, the differences in the, in the error and then the implications for the error. And you just laugh and say, you should have known that that number doesn't actually mean what that number means the whole time. So, I mean, I think that you're just going to continue to see like maybe <laughs> orchestrated in a certain way, unemployment numbers until like it becomes such a big, big thing, seeing like automation take over jobs and stuff that you know, we're going to have to figure that out. So I'm, yeah, I'm very curious nice. for that because I, I don't know how companies like I, Uber, like Airbnb, 10 years out from still that or well. not even, I mean, so like, you know, I'm trying to put robots so out and like, if you already look at like right now, Avi, think about it, like psychologically, we've been pushed to come home for a long time that this entire time epoch of people are now conditioned a certain way. And like, that's going to have rippling effects forever in society. And so if you think if psychologically, you know, that it's two to two, two weeks to two months to develop a really a big habit. And people were doing this for years, right? So we, we have all been conditioned in some way, which is important. I think personally for myself to reflect on as well, to kind of yeah. like know where I'm supposed to be at and thinking about it in like the time yeah. of business and, and going in and going out with that balance. But that's just, that's why those growth names that did all that stuff that basically just means like efficiency, autonomy, cutting out the middleman. And honestly, why Web3 came about was just like, we yeah, got used to being on our own a lot. And we got used to making decisions and like having to get food, having to find a place and do all these things on our own. Cause you know, most people were not around a ton of people cause we just couldn't be. And so I think that's just gonna like, that's something that's like, yeah, I know it's like a little kitchens meta. in New York are huge. Right. And like, people right. don't, why, why have a huge restaurant if you can get tons of delivery? And I, you know. Right. And pe people make entire restaurant businesses now through apps like Mr. Beast. Honestly, pray, shout out to him. He's a monster. He's incredible at what he does. But What's he, he do? captured that so perfectly. Mr. Beast is Mr. Beast is the guy on YouTube. He, Boomer. you know, he like gives people money and charity, like fun prizes and stuff. But he got massive. He's actually like a really good dude. Like so, he was giving out people, you know, food, money. Uh, and, like, is this 10, the dude that gives cash out? And he like goes. Yeah, he gives stores and people are like, prizes, is this for real? like, yeah. Like, yeah if you put your hand on a. If like four people put their hand on a box full of money, the last person to take their hand off wins, and like uh, all those kind of things. But he started he, he, a. Go ahead, Riley. He uh, he recreated uh, Squid Games, and now he's Willy Wonka. Yeah. So he's doing a big uh, what? Uh, candy yeah. thing where he puts some things in uh, candy bars and sells them, and then the there's like ten winners. Him. Yeah, and then they get this to go to his amazing. chocolate factory. He's, yeah. he's the and king he of marketing on YouTube. Yeah, if anyone knows Mr. Beast, uh, 
we gotta get him on the podcast. That, yeah. This <laughs> but, guy yeah, but what incredible. I'm saying is so like he, he created all those businesses like just from honestly like the advent of this and like when you think about the food business that he just did, I think it's like Mr. Beast's like burgers or wings or I, I forget what it is, but the entire thing is just ran through those ghost kitchens, which is just on like an app. So like it's literally like a, a C, like an SAAS restaurant, right? Like, you know, for lack of better words, like, so those things are going to be common in like whatever industry we're talking about. I just wonder at what point, cause there, there is a point of exponentiation where like it will start being really, really different in society really, really fast. And certain disparities will amplify and then we'll have to think about it and deal with it. But I don't, I think we're probably like five to 10, five to 10 years out. It'll yeah. be at the point when AI becomes as smart as humans, like the singularity, which is like projected by 2030 to, to figure out, honestly. So like, yeah, I'd say 10 years. Yeah. Interesting. People are taking Ubers to Disney world, apparently, because Disney world just crushed as well. Yeah. Uh, Disney just wrecked earnings, Riley. So I know you're a huge Disney Plus fan yourself. Yeah. So the earnings per share was dollar and six cents versus 63 cents expected. So a huge beat on EPS. Revenue is 21.82 billion versus 20.91 billion. So a decent beat on revenue. But the Disney Plus subscribers, oh my, 129.8 million versus 125.75 million expected. Huge beat there. Oh my again. (laughs) <laughs> oh my <laughs> the service that was incredible. also saw uh average revenue per user uh, in the u.s and canada grow from six dollars and 68 cents per month to five dollars and 80 cents a year ago so a huge increase there and they could keep increasing it in my opinion uh and so the subscriber number increased by 12 million just from the first quarter so you're our quarter over quarter and the disney parks Revenue reached 7.2 billion during the quarter, which is up 100% year over year. So you know they're they're definitely rebounding a bit. But I do want to talk a little bit about Disney Plus because I mean they they've just been killing it. Uh, the Book of Boba Fett, a little bit of a Star Wars uh, a sequel, whatever you want to call that. Um, it is doing great. You know they they've they just keep getting more and more users from just that one show, plus the Mandalorian, plus all the new stuff that they're going to be coming out with. I, I, I have no no reason to cancel my Disney Plus. I, it's like five bucks, six bucks. It's cheaper than Netflix. Netflix, I might even cancel. I, I think that they just are they they're too dry is, now. I, I don't know. They, I don't I don't like Netflix. Is Disney Plus coming out with more? And I, I don't have it. And I don't I guess look it up enough. I know they have some stuff for adults, but devoting a ton more resources towards that. Are they creating a lot more shows? Well, for so so Marvel they have That's Marvel, game over and then. so GG. yeah, so they have Marvel and they have Star Wars. Basically, the two biggest franchises right now. You could put out a show, even one episode of anything in those universes, whatever you want to call it. And you're going to get 100 million people to watch it. And you're going to get people to just sign up even for one month just to watch whatever it is. You're going to have movies all the time that are just going to be debuted on the platform instead of going into the theaters, which, you know, some might say is not very good. But at the same time is you're going to get people that sign up and then they forget about it. It happens every time. And just, just from that alone, you're going to make billions of dollars, basically, at least over time. And not to mention, they have the content to be able to back it up. I think Netflix needs a little bit better original content. They had a, a nice go at it, but I think that they are trying to focus on increasing their margins. So they're not focusing as much on content as they probably should be. I think that they have one, maybe two hits a year at this point. When Disney Plus, you could put 
basically any movie in the Marvel or Star Wars universe in there and you're going to get people to sign up and then you're going to come out with another one six months later and people are going to buy it again and again and again. I just think that right now Disney Plus is just mm-hmm. on its way to beat, ne- beat Netflix. I think that over time and I think that's why Netflix saw that massive 20% drop. I think people are realizing that Disney Plus over time can really take over and be a, a bigger yeah, I, I streaming think it's platform a- than Netflix. Yeah, I think it's also like right now very niche because like, you know, the, the people who like the things that are on Disney are obviously familiar with Disney, right? And like kids love Disney. Disney's like IP powerhouse because they own so much. And if they don't, they can buy it, right? Like all the theme parks are based on IP. So they're going to continue to produce things from all their IP, right? So they have an unlimited war chest of that, essentially. That's kind of where I'm looking at for, I guess, the bullishness of Disney. I know they have all like the actual parks and everything else that's going on, but you know, the, the Disney Plus is definitely what's what's more interesting and why it's it's getting the type of moves it's getting, right? Because like I remember Disney, yeah. before Disney Plus, it really was not like a stock that was discussed as much as it is. It was more like, this is a easy Disney parks, right? Like they got experiences and all these things and they have theme parks and they make this much money, right? It was a, just a traditional kind of like index fund stock. And now they got competitive with Disney plus and like, who knows where that goes, right? Like metaverse, all the things we've been talking about. Well, like they do Prime. gaming. I don't know if they're in gaming right now. Like Netflix is there's a Marvel video game that came out. It was not really that big. Of a hit, that but, IP, they, right? so. but they also have, I think they work with EA to work on Star Wars games, at least previously they've come out with a couple of Star Wars games, but you know, in both of those universes, you could put out game after game after game, you could hire, you know, Activision to, to build it with mm-hmm. you, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden you make another billion dollars and then you do it again, two years later, make another billion dollars. You know, it's just yeah. being able to have that IP, like Tony said that, you know, you could just do whatever you want in those universes with those universes, you could do whatever and people are going to buy it. You know, it's the same thing. People go to Disney World and they'll spend $150 on, on a cup. Yeah, I can see them creating like, like a Roblox like a type Mouse. of game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They can partner with Young Roblox Simba too. I, I think <laughs> the NFL just partnered with uh, Roblox or at least uh, for their partnership to just build a, a universe, a world inside of Roblox. Disney can do the same thing. They can basically 3D print their entire park, put it into Roblox, and all of a sudden you have you know, hundred million kids that are going to be playing around in, in virtual Disney world. Then they're going to beg their parents. Hey, let's go to Disney world. Let's go to Disney right. world. Let's go to Disney world. And then they're going to take them to Disney world. Riley, that was 5d. I like yeah, that. That was, that good, was Riley. That, that, that was really good. Am I going to have to leave Avi? No, but for real, that was good. <laughs> yeah, um, you, you because I was, I was blowing, bro. The whole team is just mommeting right now, but um, Riley, I was going to actually touch on pretty much what you said, just in a different way, thinking about, like I was recently looking at just collectibles in general, cause you know, I'm an avid collector of Pokemon cards, but I was looking at like old Disney tapes and the price that old Disney tapes are going for is like a joke, right? So you know that that IP, if it's collectible value the way it is, which clearly it is, right? Like you have these universal brands that everyone knows all the different like things that Disney is pro- providing and producing, right? And stuff. Yeah. Right. And like they, and, they're going to get an NFT dollars for water. Yeah, they will for sure. I mean, that'll be the, like, like that'll be their theme park tickets for sure. That'll be everybody's right. The Coachella is giving away passes. The Super Bowl is going to do it. Like it's just going to happen everywhere. But yeah, they, they this is going to capture theme. it in the way that you said best. Yeah, they have the incredible branding power. You know, they they can put Mickey Mouse on an NFT and and make millions of dollars off that one drop. No, everyone's going to buy. Could it. you imagine? Could you imagine an, like a Mickey Mouse original collection drop? Like unreal. But I I, mean, I think that's definitely where they're going to go. But what you said about Roblox, like I could totally see Disney 
making like there's so many different things that they've produced for kids and like anyone up to teenagers now which i think that's why they got all of marvel right like no one likes marvel more than the people who don't like all the kids disney stuff it's like the age right after so they're they're going to capture that you have a kid you need to buy this because your kid likes this market which is a pretty dangerous market kids to are think gonna about, get like, nfts for christmas right. this is this is gonna be what a world what right. I mean, also like thinking like Roblox, like like how well yeah. Roblox is doing for the same reason. And, you know, Disney's already got the IP so that they'll, they'll be building that out eventually. Like, I also just think that the Disney Plus angle is, is big, too, because you could do gaming and I'm sure Disney games would be crushing on there. Uh, Riley, during the uh, intermission there, you were touching on Peloton uh, with Amazon and Nike. A lot of acquisition rumors. People were just trying to get Peloton to, to rip a little bit. I think that it was pretty much all fluff. I think that even if Amazon or Nike offered anything for Peloton, it was probably a 20 to 30% premium and it ripped 40%. So I'd imagine that that deal pretty much fell apart instantly. But I think that it, they kind of indicated with the CEO change as that they're, they're going in a different direction. I think that they're not going to look for an acquisition. I think that they put too many incentives for the CEO in for them to essentially look for an acquisition now there'd be no point there shouldn't have been a ceo change if they were going to get acquired so i don't think that that's something that people should look forward to and i was tweeting that the other day with twilio datadog and crowdstrike i i agree with you avi i mean like we were talking about those names just because like you know we talked about the fact that high multiple software names had come down right to pre-covid levels i mean a lot of these companies have obviously become much bigger companies in the last like two years. So, you know, just knowing that, right. And we were talking about less correlation is a better market. These companies are going to start running off their earnings more and the cloud and just SAS in general, especially the ones that we discussed, right? Like Twilio crowd, uh, Cloudflare, Unity, Shopify, you know, the ones that are notably the leaders that have done really well. Datadog is just a super strong holder as well. So it's going to be hard for me to assume that like really any of the cloud or any of the e-commerce names do poorly when you have what Amazon reported. Like, I think that's just like a really good thesis for this earnings quarter. So it's, you don't have to overthink the wheel here, right? Like you've had multiple instances showing you that this theme is playing out. Some will miss, sure. But it means that the majority of the names that are sold and down bad will be not as down bad once they, you know, prove themselves on a fundamental basis, which is what Unity and Twilio just did. So we have Net Tomorrow, we're going to have Crowd, we're going to have all these other companies, Datadog, and so that'll set the expectations of whether cloud's going to be allowed to expand multiples again and actually like reflect their current revenue instead of just being at the multiple they were before COVID um, and even lower. So we'll see there. We'll really just have to see. But I think that you kind of see the trend so far. And uh, Amazon gave us the tell. We just have to not overthink it, I think. All right, Tony, it's 830 Eastern time. It's 530 your time, which you said you're ready for bed. So we'll kind of wrap Weird, it up. Right? You wanted to... You wanted to touch it. I guess it happens when you wake up at 4 a.m. or whatever you do. But yeah, exactly. Uh, touch on the Fed here as we wrap things up for this week. I know it's a little shorter one for the this week's episode. No, definitely. I think we touched on the important things, right? Like there's not much that's going to be happening that's other than the Fed and earnings. And so I think we have a good handle on earnings and it's definitely a positive. And you're seeing that each time one of those names rips, right? Like the names and sympathy run and most of those names are in ARC or in, in funds that have similar holdings to ARC, right? So it's just flipping the narrative of growth being killed and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And then, you know, what we talked about last week with the Fed, you know, the unemployment change there, you've got this Fed minutes that came out today, rates were unchanged, maintains near zero rates, and they're continuing on the pace of taper. 
Um, and so, I mean, I think what is just really important to know is like expectations and reality. There's money to be made in the difference between those two. And we've been really all thinking on this one perspective of we're going to get a 0.5 rate hike, this and that's going to happen. We're going to raise like six, seven times, like 40% chance that there's going to be a 0.5 rate hike in like March, right? So I don't think that's necessarily going to happen the way that everyone's thinking. And I think that the reason is that what we talked about last week of such different numbers takes time to assess, right? And I think Powell also said that vaccinations are helping to ease the supply chain and that's going to that's gonna continue to help with inflation over time. So, you know, they're always just going to continue to say that there's risks to economic outlook, right? But they're going off of data. So I think Powell came out so, 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 so strong in November. And I'm not saying that he's walking it back. But the tone at which, you know, he's moving right now is to maintain market stability. Like I read this one today that, right, the Fed is going to make sure to watch the market is right, like as they're making their choices for policy. So it's definitely important to note that I think that we had these really volatile, huge moves and overselling and overbuying and certain things just for whatever reason. And we're going to have this distribution over time now that things have been priced much differently than they were in the advent of what's going on now with the Fed. So I think that you're seeing the risk to upside with a lot of these quality names. And I mean quality, right? Like there are stocks that went down significantly on their earnings and the ones that go down significantly on their earnings this period, like if they do it again, it's like going to be a tough time for all of them because now is when you see how you react, when the market's not perfectly good, when share prices aren't super high. So you can't raise a bunch of money without diluting your equity a lot. So it's a harder condition for investors is a harder condition for companies to exist in the first place, right? And that's kind of always going in hand in hand, because that's just a subset of the economy's standard, like what it's doing right now. But I mean, Powell, he expects inflation to decline over 2022. I I mean, we've heard this, we've heard transitory, we've heard a lot of things. So you're going to have to just go off the data. So CPI is coming out tomorrow. And that's definitely going to be a significant move, because I think that you know, growth and a lot of other names responded well to the minutes today, which is definitely good to know that Maybe we're not going to retest that bottom again, but maybe we do. But I think if CPI comes in good tomorrow, you're going to get a, that, that's going to line up right with ARC's downtrend from November. And I know people say you can't like chart an ETF, but everyone who tried to short at 66 to 62 at the previous COVID high got Avi stopped. So I beg to differ. And so you're going to break over that like three and a half month downtrend starting in November from when Powell was super crazy QT, you know, dropping basically the, he's dropping words he should not say at the market, essentially. And so, you know, this is going to be important tomorrow. And so if we get that breakout, we might get a sustained rally, people might cover their shorts, but it's really going to be dependent on news, because that is going to be what the Fed's looking at, right? Like if things get crazy, inflation's heating up, the Fed's going to have to act a lot faster than if it naturally just like chills or stays the same, or maybe slightly starts to go down. And I think that what uh, we were talking about, KT and I as well on the pod, or on the, the spaces and on the pod last week about how the Fed is being so particular about the way that they're displaying data and, and all that's going on with that. Um, they are trying to craft a narrative that helps their goals. And so I think that's really important to note. And so nobody wants the market to crash. It makes their job harder. Like it makes a company's job harder when their share price goes down. It's, it's very similar for the Fed. You lose more bullets, you know, the lower you go. So and, and you have less time to act. So it's important to note that I think that they're really paying attention. But once again, like Powell's done really well, but also botched it many times. So you're going to have to just go off the data. What's nice, though, is that like, I think the market's priced in some of the worst possible outcomes of data. And so 
any of the things that don't hit, like if we don't have six rate hikes or four rate hikes, like if we don't have the 0.5 rate hike, right? If we just do 0.25, 0.25, 0.25, three times, if we, you know, make sure to passively roll off treasuries, roll off all these things on the balance sheet and just have, or have that just, you know, naturally go off passively at their maturities versus actively, right? No QT, none of that. Those are good things. And so I think that there is risk to the outside, especially with those individual earnings, because as I said, less correlation is a better market. Poetic as always, Tony. So we'll wrap it up here today, but we've had some incredible conversations the past week. Uh, I'm not going to get into the details, but if you guys have cool businesses out there, you guys are doing some really interesting stuff, like shoot us a DM. Very interested in it. Feels like I'm a, a VC, which is one day what we will get to. And this will be a cool podcast to look back on here. But uh, Tony, wrap it up with the, the thoughts of the week here, and then we'll get going. Yeah. Um, I wish KT was on here because he said something super crucial, I think on the like the space we did the other day. And he was just talking about how the market's all just a rotation game and it's a rotation game between different asset classes, between different sectors. And then also like your gains and your position and where you are in the market is also a rotation game, right? So you're getting this like really big growth V squeeze. Like I would definitely say, don't think that you're out of the woods, maybe specific names because of how well their earnings were have set their bottoms. If you understand what I'm saying, because that's like tangible news that, you know, that that's a priced in fundamental model news. And that company has already gone down there. And the fact that it's been allowed to get back to where it is, even if it's still down, right? Like, like Twilio, for example, right? Still down 160, 170 points from its highs. The fact that it was able to just even go up 20% when it's been doing nothing but going down 10% every day is a tell. And I think that there's a lot to say about the market but there's one thing that always stays true is that price rules everything around me. And so no matter what you think, trade what you see. And I get that from my buddy, High Yield 6. Like you trade what you see. You trade exactly the price that you see. And, uh, and that's the way to make sure you adapt and don't die. So with that being said, Ponders, trade what you see because you are where you are. Yeah, you're we'll back, next back week baby. With another episode of Pounding the Table.